Well, good morning, Spirit of Christ. It is so good to be with you all this morning. Um, it's been kind of uh, back and forth uh, across the city, really, for me, because I've been preaching at a church here, coming back, and then preaching at another church. And last week, I actually got the opportunity to preach at my dad's church, which was a lot of fun at Trinity Church. And it's, you know, I'm a fairly regular guest speaker there, but it was just really, really cool because last week, I actually kind of brought the messaging of what we do into that space of just prayer and fellowship with God. And I brought it into the space at the Hope Christian Ministries International a few weeks ago. And I can just say that there is a collective hunger, I think, across the city for a deeper fellowship with God. <laughs> and it's just one of those privileges and opportunities that we are a people of prayer. <laughs> we are a people of that fellowship with the Lord. And we this is what we do. This is what we value. And to see other people wanting that and valuing it at the same time is incredible. So just to say that, man, we, we're in the right place. We're doing the right thing. And I always, I always like to say that this place is my favorite place to preach. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I've been, I've been to conferences. I've done events and everything, you know, in between and all that stuff. And I'm still growing and all that. But this, as I was pulling into the parking lot, I was like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the Spirit of Christ family. And so I just always, always, always enjoy being with you all, being able to stand before you all as a young man growing in what the Lord has called him to do. Um, and so today, uh, we're continuing in our series talking about the coming of the Son of Man. And so we're just, we're talking about uh, things in regards to end time stuff, but really focusing and exalting the man Christ Jesus, because he is the one who is given the, he's the only one given authority to unloose those seals and to bring about the plan and the leadership of redemption in the earth. And so today, uh, we're, we, or in the past couple of weeks, uh, Jesse preached on a, the church of Ephesus from Revelation 2, and today we're talking about the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, and today we're talking about overcoming spiritual lukewarmness. <laughs> it's one of those, oh, you know, like it's like, oh my goodness, lukewarmness, ah. And so, <laughs> so that's what we're talking about today is overcoming spiritual lukewarmness. And we'll talk about like, man, how do I know that I'm lukewarm? How do I know if I'm hot or if I'm cold and things of that sort? Because this is a really famous passage in the Bible um, one that a lot of us are familiar with, and um, I'm, I too am a big fan of IHOP, and many of you all know that the IHOP family, that the Lord's been speaking Revelation 3, this Laodicean overcoming lukewarmness message to the IHOP family, and I believe it's a word for the uh, global body of Christ, and I think it's a word for us as well because I think that there, there, there is a day that is coming in which the Lord will pour forth his glory. There is a day and a revival that is coming that will surpass anything that this earth has ever seen. And Jesus, on the precipice of his return, is not coming back for a dead church. He's not coming back for a lukewarm church, but he's coming back for a bride that's passionate and that's zealous for him. And so that's a people that we want to be. We want to be a people that is passionate. We want to be a people that are fully given over to Jesus in love. 
and this is what we're touching on today is, man, how, when we're in seasons of lukewarmness, when we're in seasons where it's just, man, we're, we're stagnant, we're stale, how do we overcome? How do we get past and how do we break the, the stronghold of lukewarmness over our spiritual life and our walk with Jesus? So uh, I'm just going to pray for us really fast, and we're just going to kind of walk through all of these things and just really build up um, something that I believe that we can carry into the future and as we uh, continue walking with Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive right in. Yes, Father, we come before your throne saying thank you, Lord, for this message that you gave to the Laodicean church. Lord, this message that lives in your living word. And God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would give us the grace to overcome spiritual lukewarmness. Lord, that we would not be a people that is that are dead, that we would not be a people that are lukewarm, but that we would be a people that are on fire for your son. So God, I'm asking that you would touch us even this morning as we touch on, as we read and as we discuss Revelation 3 in the Laodicean church. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us a heart that's fiery in love for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you want to turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, and I'm just going to read this passage and we'll just dive right in. This is what it says. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And this is Jesus talking to John and he's saying, John, write this letter to the church. He says this, I know your works that you are neither neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. So this this last letter to the church of Laodicea is Jesus talking to John as he's on the island of Patmos, and he says, John, write this to the Laodiceans. He says, look, I see your works. And at every letter to the church, Jesus says, I see your works. It's this. I see your works. You're like this. And so when Jesus looks at the church in Laodicea, he says, I see your works and they are lukewarm. They are neither hot 
nor cold. That the, the, that the works that you do, the life that you are living in God is not hot, it's not cold, but it is lukewarm. And, and I want to give just a little bit of historical context to the church in the city of Laodicea. Because Laodicea is in modern-day Turkey, and Laodicea was actually at a crossroads of three major, three major roadways. So as you have a lot of traffic coming through this city, there's a lot of commerce, there's a lot of trading. And so Laodicea was a very affluent city. It was a city that was rich. They had uh, all kinds of sheep, and they were, they were known for their black wool and their soft, like, knitting, you know, knitting, you know, all that stuff, and where you can make clothing from the wool of the sheep. And so Laodicea was a very rich, very wealthy city that had a lot of trade and had a lot of commerce coming through it. But Jesus, what he does, and when he talks to, this, uh, to the church of Laodicea, he uses their context to actually speak to their situation. Because the truth of the matter is that like Laodicea is like maybe right here, and there was this city maybe four or five miles north of it called Hierapolis. And Hierapolis had a hot, they were known for their hot springs. And what Laodicea would do is that they would bring the water from Hierapolis back down, like the water would be um, transported to Laodicea. But because Hierapolis had hot springs, on the way to Laodicea, the, the water would kind of cool off and it would become lukewarm. And so lukewarm water is just that water. It's just like, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not hot because hot water has this natural detox for your skin and your body and all of that. And cold water is refreshing and all that, but lukewarm water is good for nothing. <laughs> lukewarm water doesn't refresh and it's not healing. And so when Jesus looks at the, at the church in the city of Laodicea, he said, he's using their context because Colossae also, which was about 10 miles like east of, um, of Laodicea, they were known for their cold water as well. So there's these, uh, these places where uh, water is held, and when it would be brought back to Laodicea, it would be lukewarm. So Jesus sees, you know, he uses the geography of all of that stuff, and he speaks right directly to Laodicea because they would have known what Jesus was talking about in that moment. And so that's also why, you know, when studying the Bible, it's important to have a, a historical, geographical, agricultural, all these different things of the context because uh, these writers were writing for, to a specific people in a specific place. And so Jesus was saying, he's saying, look, I see you all's works. And just like that water that you bring from Hierapolis into the city, your works are lukewarm. Your works are not, they're not hot, they're not cold, but they are, they're, they're, they're good for nothing. And you're just kind of moseying along in your walk with me. And, you know, when we talk about spiritual lukewarmness, you know, like at the beginning I said, it's just like, ah, you know, it kind of like touches a little close to home. And for me, when I was, when, because uh, I, I, Jesse just gave me Revelation 3 and I was just looking over the churches and I just find myself, even now, I mean, there, there are just seasons where I'm just like, I just feel dull. I just feel unspiritual, you know. <laughs> Do you, have you ever had those moments where you just feel human and it's just like, ah, uh, I don't really, just, I, I, I'm not really on fire for Jesus right now. 
I want to be, but I'm not. And I, I honestly kind of find myself in a situation kind of like that right now. And I don't know if you all can relate, but it's just, man, I, I'm just like, Lord, I want more. I just want, I want to continue pursuing you. I want to continue being on fire for you. I want to continue being zealous for you. And, and I think sometimes when we think about spiritual lukewarmness, you know, it's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm because I'm not, you know, going out preaching the gospel to like 50,000 people at a time or whatever. You know, you can look at those people and just be like, man, what am I doing with my life in Jesus? But I think that that's a, that's a, a false way of thinking about spiritual lukewarmness. And I kind of want to give just... This isn't definitive, but I just kind of want to give us a, a shaping and a paradigm of what lukewarmness actually is. And so because, just, like, just like I said, you know, hot water is for healing. It has a purpose. You know, it has, a, has an intent for it. It, has like, it can detox your skin if you like soaking in the hot springs. I've never been to hot springs, but I've been in a hot tub. So um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of, that may be kind of similar. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's the closest I'll get probably to the hot springs. <laughs> so, so hot water is healing. It can detoxify. Uh, and then cold water is like on a hot day, it's refreshing. But lukewarm water is just like, man, this is, uh, it's just not, it's not good. And so being spiritually lukewarm, I would compare as being the same as spiritually stale or, or maybe spiritually stagnant. And when I, talk, when I say spiritual staleness, I mean that there's no hunger or zeal. Because, you know, we get in those moments where, and, I, and I, I believe that this is what the Laodicean church entered into, is that they were spiritually stale. Because Jesus says here, um, he says in verse 17 in chapter 3, he says, Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Like the Laodicean church, they were so rich, they were so wealthy, they were so affluent that they said, I'm good. <laughs> like, like, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, you know, I, I'm trying to do things, you know, the best that I can, but I'm good. Like, I really don't need anything. But Jesus says, when I look at you with these eyes of fire, do you know what I see? He says, he says you're actually miserable. You're actually poor. You're actually naked. You're actually wretched in my sight. Because the Laodiceans, they were like, they, they claimed Jesus, but they had him at an arm's distance. And I think that, and I think that's the reason why, why at times we get into these lulls and these seasons and these times of spiritual lukewarmness. Because the Laodiceans, they said, oh, because Jesus wouldn't have talked to them if they, if they weren't really part of the church. So they were actually Christians. They were actually believers but Jesus, at the end of this, and we'll get to this a little bit later, he says, I stand outside the door and I knock. That means that, that, means that they claim Jesus, but he was on the outside of the door of the church. Is that, he, that, that, that they, they said, Jesus, we believe in you, but we're okay with all of our wealth and everything that we have right here. And so they, they had no hunger. They had no zeal for Jesus. They didn't say, they weren't, they weren't saying, you know, like the... the I have, this, I have this message that I love 
that I love preaching, that I love teaching, is that there are three kinds of people that see Jesus for who he is. There's, there's three kinds of people that see Jesus, touch Jesus, but there's only one group of people that actually see him for who he really is. And the three people that I work through are the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they saw Jesus, they probably touched Jesus, but they didn't recognize him as Messiah, and they didn't come to him because of their pride. And they, they, they just, they, they saw him, they touched him, they conversed with him, but they didn't, they didn't ever come to him. They didn't bring their heart to him because of their pride. The second group of people that saw Jesus, that touched Jesus, that conversed with Jesus, but didn't come to him were just the common folk because what they ended up doing was they, they just said, here's a prophet coming through Galilee. There's a prophet coming through Samaria. We hear that he multiplies fish. We hear that he multiplies bread, and we're just coming for our Subway sandwich. You know, we want, we want our blessing. And so they, so they saw Jesus. They, and they touched Jesus, but they never brought their heart to him because of their lethargy. Because they, were, they just said, in like the Laodiceans, they were just like, yeah, we're okay, we're good. We just want, you know, our sandwich because you multiply bread and you can bless us. But the third group of people that saw Jesus, that conversed with Jesus, and brought themselves to him were the lowly were the hungry, were the people who said, I cannot live without Jesus. I cannot live without him. And that's why when he, they would say, when he would walk by, they would say, son of David, son of David. And everybody would be like, quiet down. He, you know, he's a, 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 you know, a, a man of great renown, like leave him alone. And they would continue, son of David, son of David, please come heal me. Come to my house, come to where I am. I need you. And Jesus would always, always stop and he would say what is it that you would want me to do for you because there was a hunger there was a zeal there was a I am not going to relent until I have your presence and the Laodiceans fell into the trap of saying we don't need the presence of God we don't need we we we, we claim Jesus but we're keeping him at a distance we're okay and we're satisfied with where we're at and the truth of the matter is this, is that nobody ever has arrived. <laughs> nobody ever has arrived. And, and when we get a glimpse of that endless ocean called the knowledge of God, when we get a touch and a feel of the presence of God, there is a ruining that comes on the inside of us. And we say, I cannot live without. I cannot go any farther without more of Jesus. And that's spiritual staleness. And spiritual stagnation, in a way, is, is no fruit bearing and no pruning. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're growing in Jesus, when you're growing in God, you're always going to bear fruit. And when you always bear fruit, you're always going to be pruned. It's one or the other. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is this, is that the Laodiceans were going about stagnant, that they weren't, that they weren't bearing any fruit in, in, a, in accordance with their works. And Jesus, in, in this letter, he's rebuking the church to prune them and to say, like, to say, look, I'm trying to wake you up to say, no, be zealous for me. Actually, come to me and buy gold and, 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 uh, and fellowship with me. And so Jesus, you know, he says here, um, he says, you know, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I want to touch on Jesus' response here. 
And I want to convey it with the same passion and emotion that he says it with. (laughs) Is that a lukewarm church is repulsive to Jesus. Like that's like that that is a deep word. That is a deep word. Like Jesus and it's not this is not exaggeration. (laughs) It's not it's not one of those things where some where somebody looks at a lukewarm church and it's like, oh, no, it's okay, you know, this, it's all right. But no, when Jesus sees a lukewarm church, he, he literally says this. He says, I will vomit you out. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, man, I, like that, that ought to wake somebody up. That when Jesus sees a lukewarm believer, a lukewarm church, he says, that is repulsive to me. Because... What ends up happening is that we have one foot in and one foot out. That's what the Laodiceans were at, is that they had one foot in saying, yes, we believe in Jesus. We're actually the church. We're a part of the body of Christ, but I have all of these riches right here, and I'm okay. (laughs) I don't have a desire for more. And so what the Laodiceans, they had one foot in and one foot out. And Jesus said it way back in Matthew when he was on the earth. He says, look, you can't serve two masters at the same time. You cannot serve me and you cannot serve your wealth. Like you can't serve, you know, the King James says mammon, you know, like you can't, you can't serve money and wealth and all of these things that the Laodiceans were content and satisfied with and you can't serve Jesus at the same time and what Jesus is saying he's not saying that you have to go and like sell all your possessions sell all of your house you know if he calls you to do so do it because we obey but what he's saying is that your heart cannot be fully given over to one or the other or your heart can't be split your heart is either either going to be given fully over to serving serving mammon or you know I don't know why I said that money <laughs> or your heart's going to be fully given over to serving the Lord you can't have both things and the Laodiceans were teeter-tottering between the two and you know many of us may ask you know how do we discern whether or not we're lukewarm how do, we, how do we know if we're hot or we're cold? You know, when Jesus says being hot here, he's not saying being on fire and passionate and zealous for him. And when he says cold, he's not saying that you're just cold, like your heart is dead. But he's saying that there is a, a fully given overness to either, like hot can't be cold and cold can't be hot, but lukewarm is a little bit of both. And he's saying you can't, you can't do these two things at the same time. And so... What does, it, what does it mean for us to be, uh, to, to be lukewarm? Is that it means that our heart is not wholly given over. It's about wholeheartedness. That's what Jesus is going after. It's about wholeheartedness. He's, he's saying it's either you're fully given over to me or you're not. And that's what he's, for, that's what he's vying for, for the Laodicean church. He's saying, I want your whole heart. And he's worthy of it. He's worthy of everything that we can give him, all of our affection, all of our devotion. And this is the thing that I want to go after. And the good news is this. The good news is this, is that 
if you find yourself in a lukewarm place, in, in a lukewarm place. And like I said, I, fi- I, I find myself, you know, uh, in, in a lukewarm kind of state right now. It kind of, it, it feels like, it feels like. The, the good news is this, is that Jesus is near. <laughs> is that Jesus is near. Because even after he gives this major rebuke to the Laodicean church, he says this. You know, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says this in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that talks about his nearness. He's saying, even though, even though you may be in a lukewarm state, even though you may not be fully given over to me, even though you may be in a state where you're content, where you're satisfied, where he says, I am close to you and I am knocking at the door. And if you simply open up, I will come in. Like that is the good news today is that if you find yourself in a place where it's like, Jesus, I'm not as passionate for you as I feel or it feels like I'm lukewarm. He says, that's okay because I'm close. That's okay because I'm knocking. That's okay because I'm near. And if you simply open up to me, then I will come in and dine with you. And he gives us the route of, uh, he gives us the route of repentance and reconciliation and healing and wholeness. And it's the same, it's the same message that I've been preaching for the past few weeks, and it's fellowship with God. <laughs> Is that in Revelation, in Revelation 3, he says this in verse 20. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus is saying that the cure to lukewarmness is keeping him in the door. <laughs> it's, 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 it's keeping him in the church. It's keeping him in, it's keeping him in close proximity and fellowship with him. That's all he's ever wanted. That's all he wants. That's all he desires. That's what he requires of us is that we don't shut him out, but that we actually open the door and just talk to him, fellowship with him. Because the truth of the matter is that the very flame of Yah is love. And when we get close to that consuming fire, we become on fire too. Is that when we, when, when, the, the, the reason why, you know, they were, they were lukewarm, like I said, is that because they kept Jesus at a distance. But when you get close to, that, to, the, to the glory of the Son of God, when you get close to him, you can't help but have a heart that's burning. You can't help to have a heart that's on fire for Jesus. And that's what I want. And I hope that's what you want, too, because this is what we've been made for. Like, I, like and it's, it's glo- this message never gets old. It never gets tired because we need this every single day to fellowship with Jesus, to fellowship with God. And I, la- last week, I was just preaching um, at Trinity just about how glorious of a privilege it is that the God of the universe, the most glorious, the most awesome, the most compassionate, the most merciful, the most gracious being in the entire universe has opened a new and a living way by the death of his son on the cross, his resurrection and exaltation that we could simply be brought in his presence and talk to him. 
Like, like that is that is astounding. And the and and the way that we keep a heart on fire for Jesus is simply talking to him and fellowshipping with him. Now, the thing is, is that spiritual zeal may not look the same in every season, but it's about a heart fully given over. You know, like what, what we used to do a few years ago, you know, like I would, <laughs> this is kind of funny, you know, I would like on Michigan State's campus, I would run after people down the street, you know, say like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. But it doesn't look, I, you know, I don't do that today, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, it's, I mean, that's I mean, that it's, it's effective sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, like it's one of those things. But like but I'm still my heart is still in a place where it's fully given over to Jesus. And I'm like, it, it, it doesn't look the same in every season, but it's about uh, it's about 100 percent. It's not about 50 percent. And there was a there was a, a, a time Actually, a couple years ago, during the pandemic, it was, you know, in the summer, I think it was maybe like July, I was getting ready to go back to Moody. And I was, I was legitimately lukewarm. I was legitimately, you know, dead. It, it just felt like I was just in a, in a spiritual state that I was just, I, I didn't know what to do. And I was about to go back to Moody. And I was kind of scared because, you know, I was about to complete my time at, in Bible college, and I was just overcome with just lethargy, and I was just like, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I remember, and I was in the, at that point in time, I was making a decent amount of money as well, and I became really greedy, and, and so, and it, sort of kind of like the Laodicean church, where it's just, you know, wealth, and all these things were just kind of clouding my mind, but the, but the, goodness of God was in this, is that there was a, a night where he gave me a dream, and he exposed my greed. He exposed my lethargy, and I remember it was, it was, it was that morning. It was a Sunday morning, and I came here. It was a few years ago, and Jesse was preaching on Revelation 3, and it was just a dagger to the heart, and I was like, oh, I was like, and I just got on my knees, and I repented, and I said, Lord, would you please reawaken me into a, a, a life, a vibrant life in Jesus, and he did it, and he did it, and it brought, and, and that launched me into a place where I was able to be sustained for my last semester at Moody, and the Lord sustained me all the way through and brought me out leaning on my beloved. You know, it was one of those, it was one of those seasons, but the truth of the matter is that my heart tender and I heard, I, I heard Jesus beckoning and calling me to say, Marvin, wake up from your spiritual lethargy and I will, I will come and I will touch your life. And, and he did. And he did. And I'm so grateful for the Lord that he, that he did that. And he saw fit to have mercy on me in that way. And so the message that has come out, you know, from... IHOP and because uh, they've been the Lord's been touching them with Revelation 3 as well the Laodicean church and there is this phrase that where if we open our hearts to Jesus if we open that door 
our heart to Jesus, then he will open the door of his glory to us. Because the truth of the matter is this, is in Revelation 3, there's a door that Jesus is knocking on. He says, open up and I will come in. And then in Revelation, just in the next chapter over, Revelation 4, verse 1, it says, John says, behold, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and it was the gateway into the glory realm and the beauty of God. And so the truth of the matter is this, is that as we open the door of our hearts to Jesus and him coming in, then the door of his glory and his beauty will open to us. And that's how we sustain the flame of, in our hearts, is gazing and beholding the beauty of the man Christ Jesus, because when you look at him, you will never be the same. When you look at him and see him for who he is, the glorious son of God, you, you, your eyes cannot, uh, won't turn to anything else. You'll say, Jesus, this is what I want all the days of my life. And this is what Mary of Bethany and this is what David fixated their lives on. Is that they said, uh, you know, David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And then Mary of Bethany at the feet of Jesus saying, but one thing, Jesus said, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And I want to declare this to you all today is that Jesus is true drink. Jesus is true food. And if you find your soul and you find your spirit weary and you find yourself in a lukewarm place, Jesus is the refreshing spring of God. And he is the true living bread of God that's come from heaven to give us sustenance, to give us a heart and a life and a spirit that's vibrant in him. To give us a life that is consumed by one thing, and it's his beauty. So how do we walk this thing out? And this is the same thing that I, like, I've been ending every message with for the past four weeks. It's just prayer. <laughs> it's prayer. We're, we're people of prayer. And, it, you know, it, it gets repetitive, and we do all these things. And, you know, we have the Wednesday nights, which I absolutely adore. This is it's just my, one of my, it's my favorite time of the week, actually. And... But the truth of the matter is that as we talk to Jesus, as we fellowship with him, he will sustain our hearts. He will keep our hearts alive and buoyant in the glory of God in which we, we, don't have to, we don't have to. We don't have to get slacked back in the, in the area and compromise of spiritual lukewarmness. We don't have to. Yes, there are seasons that come in which we get kind of, you know, okay, you know, I got my lazy pants on and, you know, <laughs> sweatpants and all that and in the spirit, you know. <laughs> I don't know if they got those, but um, <laughs> sweatpants in the spirit. I don't know about those. <laughs> but... But we, we've, we've been called, we've been called to zealously pursue Jesus. We've been called to be a people wholehearted to him. And this is the message that Jesus gives to the Laodicean church. He's saying, wake up, wake up because I'm doing something in the earth and I want you all a part of it. I want you all to join me in it. I want you all to be zealous for good works. I want you all to be zealous and on fire in love for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, Denise, and I'm going to invite you up, and we're just going to respond, so I'm going to invite you all to stand. 
And we're just going to respond by just asking the Lord to touch our hearts this morning with just a fresh zeal and a fresh passion for, for him. Because we want to be a people that overcomes spiritual lukewarmness. We want to be a people that are on fire, a people that are zealous for Jesus. So we're just going to, I'm just going to just, just declare a prayer and a blessing over us. And, uh, and that'll, be the, that'll be the service this morning. So Jesus, we come before you saying thank you that you are near to all of us, Lord. That you are near and that you are not at a distance. That you're not far away, but that you're close to us. So Lord, I'm asking that as in the same way that you spoke to the Laodicean church, Lord, to wake them up from spiritual lethargy, from spiritual lukewarmness, from spiritual staleness. God, I'm asking in the same way that you would wake up our hearts, that you would wake up our souls, God, to hunger and to be zealous and to be passionate for you, Lord, that we would be fully given over. Lord, that we would not be 50% in and 50% out, but that we would be 100% in, Lord. That we would not hold anything back in our hearts. That we would not hold anything back in our life from you, Lord. But that we would be a people that are passionate and zealous and go wholeheartedly after you. So, Lord, this morning, we repent, Lord, for any spiritual lukewarmness. We repent, Lord, for any spiritual stagnation and staleness, Lord, that we want to be a people that is hot and cold in your sight. Lord, we want to be a a, a refreshing people. We want to be a healing people. So, God, I'm asking that you would give us a grace this morning, Lord, to pursue after you wholeheartedly, to pursue after you with everything that we are. God, I'm asking that you would wake us up like you woke the Laodicean church up. Praise you again and again. So all that I have is in hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much. But I've nothing else good for a king Except for a heart singing Hallelujah, hallelujah So 